In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. There you have it. A an oldie, but a goodie, I will admit. Not an 80s song, but it was re-recorded by Michael Jackson in the 70s. So we're getting close. And I think if you pay attention to the lyrics, a lot of people don't catch this, but it says, All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the Elon going tweet, 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 which I think is prescient uh, given his recent purchase of the Twitter. That's right, Brad. He has bought the Twitter. Very uh very exciting, but not exciting for everyone. There are a lot of people that are very concerned about that and worried. And uh, we're going to have to get into that and talk about what that means for you, the little guy at home. But first, you've got David Pridham and Brad Sheaf here in our palatial studio back together again after being on separate coasts and in, uh, in the Arizona and the Florida. Um, this week, we're back studio audience live and excited to uh, to be here on the big uh, Pridham and Sheaf program. Um, uh, you can, of course, Brad, learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com, uh, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter at IP underscore frequently record numbers of people are flocking to the show. They're flocking to the, uh, uh, to the studio to, to come and listen to us and take notes of everything we say. Uh, Brad, as you know, our contract is up soon and there is a bidding war going on for our services with many of the great uh, networks, both in terms of radio and in terms of cable and the big podcast networks out there. So at this point, I think uh, everyone here in the studio audience is looking at a couple of guys who are about to mad bank. (laughs) Well, buddy, you know what? We'll see. I have heard tell that uh, there's a time slot opening right after um, Joy Reid on MSNBC, I think we'd fit in nicely there, uh, maybe even, uh, you know, become common guests on MSNBC programming, uh, but we'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, for there to be a spoiler here of any type, uh, but we'll just have to see. I've heard from a couple of people at CNN Plus, Brad, of course, that's the big cable network that features everything. CNN, of course, they have gone out of business after 30 days. So most of those people are presenting resumes to our show. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, we're excited. Bidding war is about to happen. There's no better time to bid for personal services, as everyone out there knows, than in the summer months. Correct. You know, as usual, our timing, impeccable. Yeah. And also impeccable is the song choice this week. The first story, of course, Elon Musk is taking over Twitter, the board of Twitter after planting a poison pill uh, under the tongue of America has decided to take the offer of Elon Musk and uh, go ahead and let him buy out Twitter subject to shareholder approval, take it private. And of course, this is leading to seismic uh, ramifications throughout the entire Twitter sphere. 
uh, also in the Book of Face, I think, as well. A lot of very famous people, very important people are now uh, speaking out against this uh, acquisition. And uh, it could perhaps somehow stymie the acquisition. Uh, Folks like Eric Larson, as you know, Eric Larson is the uh, comic book creator of Spider-Man. I thought that was Stan Lee. Um, but he deleted his uh, Twitter account uh, after vowing to do so if uh, Musk bought Twitter. Also, the great actress Jamila Jamil, of course, uh, very, very famous for many different, many different things. I think she was in Gone with the Wind. She has uh, announced that she is leaving the Twitter platform. Uh, she's apparently an actress and an activist, um, but she has had enough. She said, quote, ah, he got Twitter. Uh, after posting a picture of her and her dog, um, this will be my final tweet. Uh, and then she dropped off. Rob Reiner, meathead from uh, All in the Family, also the director of Harry Met Sally, which is a, a very wonderful film, said that um, uh, now that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, the question for all of us is, will he allow a criminal who used this platform to lie and spread disinformation to try to overthrow the U.S. government in the greatest uh, coup in the history of mankind? Will he allow him to continue and continue uh, to, to come back to Twitter and continue his criminal activity? Uh, I am out. And then also the great statesman Elizabeth Warren said, quote, this deal is dangerous for our democracy. So it seems like all these important people are standing up against this merger or this acquisition. It looks like it may not happen at this point. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? I mean, first of all, I, hopefully these folks actually do give up their their tweetness, right? I mean, I just, I, who cares, right? They're, they're prob- we're probably all better off without listening to people whose names I, I can't even remember at this point or pronounce. Fine. And, and hopefully they're not in the category of all the people who said they were going to leave the country if Trump was elected president, but then didn't do it. I mean, one of the most exciting things you and I talked about the night that Trump was elected president was to go back through the list of all these morons, these self-important, self-indulgent morons who said, well, if Trump wins, I'm I'm leaving America. And then, of course, none of them did it, much to our disappointment. So hopefully these folks will cut off their noses to spite their faces, delete their Twitter accounts, and we'll never have to hear from them again. But it is just astounding. And I think if, if you're ever wondering about sort of how the extreme left in this country exists within their own echo chamber, and cannot actually see reality, the, the, their ability to say, well, now Twitter is in danger. Now free speech is in danger. Now maybe, because we don't know, obviously, right? I mean, the, the deal is still going through. It's not like Elon Musk is at the helm of Twitter at this point. He hasn't taken it private. He has taken the helm. It's, uh, you know, maybe he's going to impact the way Twitter works one way or the other. What he said he's going to do is just let it be the public square, right? He's just going to, you know, I'm sure that there will have, you know, there will be rules around, um, you know, pornography and and all these things that you obviously don't want in the public square. But what he has said is that he's going to let free speech be free speech within the bounds of reason and return the public square to what it's always been. And yet you've got these folks are saying, well, what if he cuts people off? What are you talking about? Why do you think Elon Musk took this rather dramatic step? And I don't sound like I know the guy or know much about him. All I know is what he said. But 
to him, free speech is important enough that he'd like to modify the way Twitter works to get back to a, a performance where you do get actual First Amendment free speech on Twitter and see how that goes, right? And, and <laughs> Twitter has been cutting off conservative-leaning folks for years and influencing the narrative for years from a left-leaning perspective. And now all you can hear from leftists is this caterwauling about how Elon Musk might make it unfair. How in the hell can they take that position as though no one's ever thought of it before? They've been doing it for years. Yeah, they've been doing it across the board. What was interesting is that they used it as a tool, the ability to deplatform people during the election um, to prevent stories from getting out, to prevent people from getting heard. And the reality is, no matter how dumb the person is, um, no matter how dumb the take is, uh, there is free speech in this country. And I think Musk appreciates that. And uh, he, he it seems like once he takes over Twitter, um, he is going to uh, he is going to go ahead and uh, and reinstitute some of those accounts that were barred or banned. And uh, and 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 I think that's overall good for our discourse. It's bad for the people that like to live in an echo chamber where they just want to hear uh, what they uh what they spew and nothing else. And speaking of which, Brad, we do ask that everyone take out a pen and pencil and write very carefully as you and I talk. Is that correct? Well, that's right, because we're in the public square. These folks are joining us in the public square. We're just trying to provide a public service of getting the important information out. But, I, you know, the thing to remember, folks, and this is what, you know, these elite groups don't want you to remember is that dumbness is part of free speech, right? You, you get to say what you want. And if you're dumb, the objective here is to say, well, that's dumb. I'm not going to listen to that, right? To, to hear it, to say, okay, well, that's stupid. I'm going to discount it and move on, right? Is part of the process of democracy. It's part of the process of free speech. It's part of the process of having a public discourse is to trust in the fact that the majority of your countrymen are going to be able to hear all sides, filter out the lunacy and the extremism on both sides, move towards the center, the area where those who are speaking in a calm, controlled voice and making sense are actually delivering useful information, apply that appropriately, vote in accordance with that, and hopefully our country then moves forward as it has for a couple of hundred years, right? I mean, it is nothing short of insulting to have someone say, well, he might let a dumb person talk. Okay, well, he should, right? That's part of the process. It is on us as the people of the United States, as the, as the electorate, you know, as those in the public square to go, okay, I heard that. I thought it was dumb. I'm going to discount it. That's part of the process. That's why we have an educational system so that we're capable of operating in a democracy. But that's not what the, these left-leaning folks want. They want to run the country themselves. They want to dictate the narrative. They did that through Twitter for years. And now they are either dumb enough or arrogant enough to try to, 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 act, to convince us that, that Elon Musk might do something like that and therefore he is dangerous. It's, it's just crazy. Next, Brad, we have the uh, tragic news from this past week, really the most tragic news. It's, it's going to uh, impact us in a, uh, 
in a way that uh, um, you know you and I both uh, are, are going to feel. We of course love the summer festival season. Well, the beloved Gilroy Garlic Festival is shutting down after 46 years in operation. It's the most famous garlic food festival in the country. You and I love it. You can get garlic pie, garlic cookies, garlic cakes, uh, roasted garlic. You can get uh, raw garlic, cloves of garlic, shredded garlic, whatever you want. Uh, But the Gilroy Garlic Festival is having problem with the prohibitive insurance requirements of the festival. Um, and uh, they're just shutting it down. They're shutting it down as of this year. We had already purchased a booth. Uh, you and I were going to be there. Um, no, no vampires in uh, in Gilroy during or uh, before or after the festival. Uh, but that's going to be a big loss to the uh, folks here at the Pridham and Sheaf Comedy Hour. Well, I mean, that's why the insurance was as high as it was. I mean, you got vampires dropping like flies. Vampires have families. They have a tendency to sue or at least seek recompense. And that was really starting to push the liability insurance north for the poor folks at the Garlic Festival. And so now, you know, if if you can't be insured, you can't responsibly hold a festival of any type, garlic or otherwise. And I think you're unfortunately going to see the same thing happen with cross festivals and wooden stake festivals. I mean, all of the liability insurance is going to skyrocket for those. And those are unfortunately going to become a thing we just talked to our grandchildren about, but they will never get to see. Please remember to listen, rate, review, refer a, uh, uh, a friend and uh, make sure that uh, uh, you are uh, doing everything you can to get the word out there, not just at the uh, old uh, $31,000 Keurig, but also uh, at uh, uh, the, the the whole metaverse, the Instaface. You can listen to us, Brad, on the metaverse, in your pretend house, with your pretend friends, uh, and with your pretend artwork and NFTs on the, uh, on the wall. Yeah, with people around you committing pretend violent crimes that we're working on coming up with a pretend court to adjudicate. Uh, tell both members of your thruple in the metaverse that we're on, and they should listen to us. And we look good in the metaverse. I checked it out. And uh, our, uh, what do you call those things, buddy? Um, it was the name of a movie. Help me out. Avatars. Avatars. Our what is avatars Avatar? What are, is Avatar? There Fourth you go. Question. You got it. You got it. Our avatars are splendid. Splendid. The, the sequined one pieces are right up, right, right what we're looking for, for our metaversal presence. Yeah, and we don't mind. I and mean, one of the things a lot of people out there are complaining about the bots and they're complaining about the fact that you go to the metaverse and you have all these meta friends and like the fake, you know, the the the, the Russian bots or the Ukrainian and the, and the robots and the, the fake friends and the space NFT and the all that stuff. We don't care. Listen, if you if you if you like rate and review the podcast or if you tune into the cable radio network, which is incredibly easy to do using the CRN app, um, then th- that's fine. Whether you're human or not human, bot or non-bot, uh, it doesn't matter to us. But we want our eyes on the the, the show. Uh, and if you don't have eyes because you're some sort of a digital reproduction of something or you don't exist at all. That 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 I think, Brad. I can speak for both of us. We can uh, <clears throat> we can both say we would wholeheartedly embrace that and, and not mind at all. Yeah, no, we we don't care whether our listeners don't exist at all. We we've never cared. We're happy as long as people are getting the information they need. They're they're getting it for both the entertainment value and the small business management value. Then whether they exist or not is really neither here nor there. And certainly we don't judge. Absolutely. And listen, we are already we've been certified as having 
Uh, I believe it's uh, tens of thousands of listeners more than the old CNN Plus ad in its 28 days of existence. So uh, keep up the good work, but rate, review, whatever else you you, you do. Uh, Brad, next we talk about, uh, we, we take the focus away from some of these big global issues like the demise of the Gilroy Garlic Festival. And we focus on things that are a little bit more um, important to the uh, small business owner <clears throat> uh, and his family or her family. Uh, and those folks around them, and really those folks that don't have any links at all to small businesses. And that is uh, what's happening with the U.S. government. There is a uh, potentially tragic situation in Washington. Kamala Harris, the vice president, one heartbeat away, one very faint heartbeat away from the presidency, um, has uh, tested positive, Brad, for COVID-19 after a trip to California. Um, She is, of course, going to have to isolate and work from her residence in uh, uh, seclusion. I, I believe for the, it's a month or two uh, that she'll have to do that. But uh, this was a rapid PCR test. She is exhibiting no symptoms, which seems to be the, uh, of the telltale sign. But we are going to uh, we are going to have to monitor this. And, and look, uh, obviously, you and I are very concerned about this. This is the woman that could be leading the uh, free world. Yeah. God forbid, buddy. But what's interesting about this is the importance of the vice president to the administration. And it's come out this week that during the negotiations over the $1 trillion um, uh, spending and infrastructure bill last year, uh, there was a gathering of uh, centrist Democrats, some Republicans, and the president and vice president at the uh, the White House. I believe, Brad, they did that meeting in the map room. Um, and uh, during the meeting, uh, Biden was trying to get everyone together on a, a package that was more of a compromise package. And then the vice president started uh, down the road of talking about social spending and a large Green New Deal type thing. And Biden, quote, quickly dismissed her comment immediately, telling her to, quote, unquote, stop it in so harsh a tone that even the Republican senators in the room were taken aback. So it seems like this could be a ploy, right? A ploy, maybe a fake rapid PCR test to get her out of the way so that the president can conduct business. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I, I it would be a very smart move on the part of the White House to do that, to just be, I, what I would do if, if that's the plan then every time she gets to the end of the isolation period, which I would set at 60 days, just, you know, just to be safe, that at the end of the 60 days, I would report, geez, she took another PCR test, even though she feels fine. And that one came back, so it's going to be another 60. And I would just do that until 2024. So that I cannot fault that move. I'm, you know, obviously I'm a little concerned that good old Uncle Joe there has lost a few miles an hour on his own fastball. Um, but Buddy, I mean, I, I, again, as you and I say every week, in a democracy, you get what you vote for. And so it matters. You have to pay attention and vote for people who you actually think can run the country, even if you think they might be a little mean, or even if you think they might say some harsh things or some dumb things sometimes. If you think they can run the country best, then you should vote for them. Yeah, no, it's uh, and, and look, and that's what you get. You put you ice Kamala and then you have the true operator, the uh, lion of the Senate, who is now our president takeover. And of course, we had these recent French elections over the weekend, a chance to sort of flex our uh, muscle where uh, Jean Macron uh, won against Marine Le Pen. And uh, it wasn't even close, but the French president won. 
re-election. I don't believe his first name is John, but I think it's Jean Macron. Sounds good. And uh, of course, after the results were in, President Biden called over to the um, to the to, to, to congratulate the uh, French president. And uh, when he was asked about this on Monday, Biden said, quote, I feel good about the French election. Uh, I called over there last night and I tried to talk to him, but he was at the Eiffel Tower at a party. So I spoke with his staff. Um, and uh, and that's that's that. So that there, there you go. You could you could see uh, FDR or, or Kennedy or Reagan giving that same quote. I mean, the respect that we're getting from these countries that were so disturbed about uh, President Trump, but the respect we're now getting is uh, remarkable. Oh yeah, uh, who's on the phone? Biden. Biden. Can you spell it? Mm. Oh, the President of the United States. Yeah, tell him I'm busy. Yeah, tell him I'm I'm in the Eiffel Tower up at the tall part. He can't get a cell pictures. signal up here. Yeah, it's terrible up here. You've seen pictures. Big metal building. Can't get to the phone. I mean, it's, buddy, it's it's absurd. It, it, the test these folks need to take is an IQ test and then publish those results because it's not going to be nearly as positive as the PCR test. It It, it is absurd, and it's going to take us a while to dig out of this hole. I mean, if you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I mean, what? it's okay. I mean, the fact that the president of France a country that has been irrelevant since the second world war is not taking calls from the president of the United States. If you just think that's not a big deal, it's going to take a while to come back from this, right? We're going to have to re-earn the respect that we earned at great cost to this country through a couple of world wars and rebuilding programs. I, you know, I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is uh, embarrassing. The good news is, though, while the president is having problems overseas, he's even having larger problems at home. More and more news is trickling out from the um, uh, Hunter Biden laptop slash IRS uh, slash uh, criminal probe. Uh, and uh, now there seems to be about five million dollars that the president received uh, after he left office as vice president that uh the, the sources of which are uh, somewhat squirrely at best. Um, there's a there, there are questions about other payments that uh, Hunter Biden made to the uh, then former vice president. And in addition, now the uh, the love story, the the wonderful love story between Hunter Biden and his dead brother's uh, widow um, is starting to come to the uh, to the fore. And, and listen, when I read these text messages, right, Brad, I say to myself, who hasn't texted their dead brother's widow and urged her to get an HIV test immediately. I mean, who, who hasn't, uh, who, who hasn't, uh, who hasn't done that? I mean, that must've happened to you, right? But I, I, fortunately for me, obviously, fortunately for you, in the same case, both of our brothers are still alive. So we don't have to, you know, comment personally on what it's like to lose your brother. But it was so hard on Hunter Biden to lose his brother that he literally couldn't wait for his brother's body to get cold before he hopped in the sack with the guy's widow and then has the audacity as the relationship begins to sour. And who could possibly imagine that? Who could possibly imagine that a relationship as well-founded as that could possibly begin to sour and then pushes her to get an HIV test? I we should have a kind, you know what, you know, what would be a good bracket, the world's biggest piece of crap bracket. And I would like to see who could get in the ring with Hunter Biden. I mean, this dude near as I can tell is the world's 
biggest piece of crap. Now, I'm not saying he's the most dangerous guy, right? Because you do have Putin and Xi in China, very dangerous guys. Our old pal Kim Jong-un in North Korea, very dangerous guy. But just in terms of being a valueless, non-contributory, self-indulgent I don't care about anybody but me. I'll trot over anybody, including my dead brother's widow, to get what I want. Piece of crap. I would like to see who could get in that ring with Hunter Biden. Well, listen, I mean, it, it, it's if, if you look at the timeline, and we've done a lot to study this here, um, he, he apparently started this torrid affair with his uh, uh, dead brother's widow in 2017. In uh, 2018, he implored her, her name is Hallie, to be tested for HIV in an email um, that was sent in July of, of 2018. And then th this was about a month before uh, London Roberts, the out of work uh, stripper who he had impregnated, gave birth to his uh, child out of wedlock. Um, and, and so th this is the context. He was about to go through this wonderful process with this uh, ex-stripper. And uh, he was informing her that, uh, you know, she needed to take an HIV test. Um, he, he said, uh, quote, you need to inform me of the result immediately, end quote. I am getting tested today and I've been sick of this, sick over this. Uh, do not hang up on me again. So, I mean, th this is a man who is very yeah. um, thoughtful, family mm -hmm. focused. In, mm -hmm. in one text he sent her in all caps, get tested and tell me the results today, all caps, end quote. So again, this is someone that is uh, really on the ball and, uh, you know, again, seems like a good uh, upright uh, family man. Next, Brad, the return of self-immolation in the uh, in the capital, Win Bruce, who I believe you know, he uh, was from uh, Boulder, Colorado, which I believe is in your neck of the woods, or at least where you summer, um, lit himself on fire on Earth Day outside the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he was a climate activist, but he didn't leave a note, and no one seems to know why he set himself ablaze in Washington, D.C., uh, and why he did it at the Supreme Court. But uh, that seems like a uh, uh, an act that uh, uh, has some significance, of which we'll probably never know. No, apparently not. He didn't leave a note. It, it may be, and again, I realize this is a stretch. You have to make some assumptions to get here. It may be that he was nuts. Maybe that he was nuts that he lit himself on fire anywhere, quite frankly, on his own doorstep, on a swing in a local park at the top of the Eiffel Tower. If you light yourself on fire, it may be that you're nuts. Okay? But the thing he should have considered is, we're all trying to fight global warming here. And as a, as a climate activist, how are you helping the cause if you light yourself on fire? I mean, there are a lot of greenhouse gases in a you know human body and so i just you know i think all in all not a good step uh for whim but again yeah. he didn't leave a note so we don't really know what he was thinking it may have just been that he was cold not exactly clear finally brad r.i.p this week the great utah senator orrin hatch dead at the age of 88 orrin hatch of course was a clean living mormon um who uh was known for his self-deprecating humor uh big uh, uh, advocate of the uh, lives of the unborn and someone that really did reach across the aisle to do a lot of uh, uh, great things, working with Senator Kennedy, Senator when Biden had his wits about him, Senator Biden, um, but uh, uh, retired a couple of years ago and had still been 
present on social media, making uh, self-deprecating jokes. And he passed away. And again, this is someone on either side of the aisle you really don't see that much of uh, anymore. But uh, anytime you see a true uh, statesman die like that, it's uh, important, I think, to take a step back and uh, recognize what we've lost. And now we've got Elizabeth Warren and uh, lunatics like that running around on uh, Capitol Hill. Well, buddy, I mean, unfortunately, and whether or not you're on the right or the left, uh, you know, you do have to sort of mourn the loss of statesmen, right? I mean, the United States Congress, both houses, has always been famous for, you know, big personalities and, you know, no shortage of jackassery down over the years. We don't want to try and pretend like, you know, we're, we're saying, oh, you know, back in my day, walked uphill both ways in the snow. All the senators were fantastic. Everybody knows that's not true. But there was a sense of trying to actually govern the country, trying to draw up some legislation that makes sense as the country, you know, evolves from one age or era to the next. Work as best you can with those who have differing viewpoints. Try to come to the middle, all those sorts of things. And that is just gone. And every time, you know, one of these guys dies, it just brings home a little bit more the fact that 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 whole approach to governance is just gone. Right. I mean, you do not see any of that. And you don't name one middle of the road senator or congressperson. You may be able to do that, buddy. You're better with our Congress than I am and the history thereof. But my point in saying it is that it used to be that those folks, the ones that were in the center, were making the most news because they were getting stuff done. They were putting their names on legislation. They were bringing the two sides together. They were building consensus and they were getting stuff done. And so you heard about them. Folks like Ted Kennedy. I'm not the biggest Ted Kennedy fan, but he did that. Orrin Hatch, he did it as well, right? Bob Dole, he did it as well. And now the only people you can name are lunatics on yeah. either side, right? I mean, the only people that you see in the media or that you can name, you, you can name them because you know them to be a lunatic. And that is not good for a government built on the idea that we can govern through consensus. Absolutely. Well, let's spread. Let's take a breath. Remember to rate, uh, like, and review our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And more big news coming soon. But first, we have to go to a big thruple update. Uh, Brad and I have been looking for a new festival, a new city to go to now that the Gilroy Garlic Festival has been canned by the folks at Gilroy. Slab City, California, I believe, is where uh, I believe, Brad, you had your bachelor party there. Uh, it is a haven for uh, people that have dropped out of society. <clears throat> it is located in the uh, California desert. Uh, near uh, one of our sponsors, I believe, who has a great lasagna. And um, it is a subject of a new documentary on the BBC uh, where uh, people have dropped out of life uh, and uh, they want to live alternate lives as thruples. And so they've gone to this uh, place, Slab City, uh, California. There are about 150 people that are residents. They're all members of thruples. And um, they're living there uh, year round. And for example, there's one married couple that's outlined in the documentary that had to flee to the desert to escape a murderous ex who had stabbed them several times. And now they're living happily in the desert as a thruple with another resident. Of course, uh, every great society, including uh, Slab City, which is a utopia, 
has its downside. Uh, there are, of course, no laws. There's no policing. There's really no physical infrastructure whatsoever. Uh, but uh, also, there have been 17 people who've died of uh, heat stroke uh, over the past year since Slab City was founded because it is in the middle of the desert uh, and there is no infrastructure or way to treat these people. So, uh, Brad, it, it seems like this thruple thing is really starting to uh, to take hold. And this may be a place that you and I should uh, visit on our tour. Well, certainly, buddy. I mean, it, it, you know, like many places, it's a former Marine training ground and you know the marines like to train on concrete slabs hence the name if you're wondering and any place where thruples are starting to bloom or blossom i believe is the correct verb for a thruple we'll have to get to the bottom of that uh, you and i should should get in there and take a look around and see if we can't figure this out right now we are going to want to go in the winter uh, for two reasons. One, that's when most people are there. And two, it'll kill you in the summertime. It's 150 degrees there. It's a bad idea. So, you know, we'll go sometime during next winter. We'll investigate and we'll just see where the, uh, where the whole thing leads us. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll, they're, they're apparently stacking bodies up like cordwood there at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll continue to monitor it. We'll probably head out there. I'm sure they have uh, some nice Italian food. Perhaps if they do, they can uh, get in touch with us and we can add them to a uh, sponsors list and maybe get a Groupon out there to help them out. Brad, next, uh, as you know, you and I are both lovers of animals, uh, big and big and small. And uh, this week, uh, the world is stopping in its tracks. The horrific story of Monkey Island uh, in, uh, in uh, Vietnam off the coast of Da Trang. Um, there is a move afoot by animal animal welfare people, including the uh, charity group Animals Asia, to shut down what they call a horrific resort, Monkey Island, um, after several tourists complained about seeing what is uh, what is known as the quote monkey show, um, where uh, these monkeys who have been trained uh, uh, to do a variety of tricks uh, do everything from ride motorbikes to ride on the backs of dogs in races to swimming across uh, a uh, Olympic, what appears to be a, an Olympic sized pool. It's, it's rather green and murky and not nearly as big, but it, it you know, it has the, the lanes. Um, so basically people go to monkey Island, they wager, they probably, they probably have a cocktail or two, uh, maybe uh, smoke some hashish, and uh, watch these monkeys compete in what appear to be feats of strength. <laughs> uh, and uh, they also have bears for the performances, but apparently this group is more concerned about the monkeys. Uh, one of the people who have been to the resort uh, said, and I quote, I've been to this resort a number of times, but it's horrific. It's an abusive place. You can see the animals are fearful of the trainers and the people in the arenas. Uh, they are uh, using brandishing sticks. Uh, to hit the monkeys and then make them uh, perform for the people. Um, Brad, what do you think about this? Do you think this monkey Island is truly the magical place it appears to be? Or do you think there is a, uh, uh, some underbelly here like slab city that uh, warrants further investigation? I I'm still stuck back on the guy who said I've been there multiple times and it is horrific. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, you don't commonly, hear those two things put together. I went there once and it was horrific. Yes. I've been there multiple times. I love it. Yes. I've been there multiple times and it's horrific is not 
a common phrase. And so it's probably worth interviewing that, that gentleman and just saying, so, you know, how does this work? I guess my next question is how many of the monkeys are on scooters and regularly perform at birthday parties? Do we know that? Don't know that. I think that's a different type of monkey. I mean, these monkeys appear to be on tricked out mini Harley Davidsons and some are riding dogs, some are swimming. And these dog races look pretty elaborate. I mean, it's a, you know, these are betting forums where sportsmen and sportswomen mm-hmm. can go out, enjoy themselves, kick back, have a Bellini and, uh, and bet on these things. So I think it's, uh, you know, a number of, according to the, uh, to the report, a number of visitors have left positive reviews, both about the beauty of the Island and uh, the twisted circus shows. Why don't we move on to the 2022 election, Brad, and get a little more comfort behind us. Uh, a couple stories that we want to uh, highlight uh, North Dakota, uh, has lost a lawmaker, um, Ray Holmberg, now 80 years old, um, has, uh, has, has, has been forced to resign. He will not be seeking re-election this year, Brad, after it was revealed that the lawmaker exchanged multiple text messages with a man jailed on child pornography charges. So he is out. And then at the same time, uh, the Nebraska gubernatorial candidate, Charles Herbster, um, who uh, was recently endorsed by former President Trump, taking a break from his focus on Mexit, uh, is uh, Charles Herbster is under fire because he has an account in his name, <laughs> a public account in his name set up on a website called Ashley Madison, which is apparently a, uh, a site where uh, men go who are married go to find women to have uh, carry on Hunter Biden-esque affairs with. Uh, plus, uh, recently, there have been seven uh, charges of him groping women on the, uh, on, the, on the campaign trail. So it seems like uh, this may not be the best endorsement for uh, Mr. Trump. And it seems like these two GOP candidates are, uh, are probably best served by dropping out of the race. But what the hell? How you think you're going to get away with any of that and try to run for public office is just beyond me, but it happens all the time. Like I like to think buddy that if you or I were to run for public office, we would wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm a public figure. I need to comport myself as such, right? I need to, you know, kind of mind my P's and Q's, et cetera. I mean, when there's no good person to vote for, what are you supposed to do? It's, it's hard to, it's hard to sift through all this. Uh, the GOP rep, Madison Cawthorn, who is uh, the wheelchair bound rep, uh, was once again caught trying to go into uh, the North Carolina Charlotte airport <laughs> carrying a loaded, <laughs> a loaded uh, staccato. Is it staccato C2 gun? Is that is that right? Is that what that Funny, is? I, I, I have never heard that term. Staccato. He was he was caught carrying a loaded what's staccato? called staccato. S-T-A-C-C-A-T-O gun onto uh, the plane. Of course, last year, you would know that uh, he tried to board a flight in the same airport with a loaded Glock 9 millimeter handgun. Um, and so this is another handgun. I guess he thought maybe it was different. It wasn't the Glock. He could get away with it. But you are right. They are. Uh, these candidates are starting to test our patience all this week. Listen, for those of you that say we're not. Um, uh, you know, equal opportunity. These are all Republicans this week, Brad. All yeah. Republicans. Well, I, buddy, again, it's unfortunately our 
government is run by, you know, equal opportunity, both sides of the aisle, morons. And I have looked up Staccato and it is apparently a high end handgun manufacturing outfit. Good for them. I wasn't familiar with it until now. And again, now having looked at some of the examples of Staccato's handiwork, I'm not quite sure. I thought this was going to be, you know, like some sort of like concealable weapon, like it was in the form of a cane or a corncob pipe or a, you know, a dart gun. Yeah, dart gun, some of that. But no, they used to kill Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, anybody putting their eyeballs on a staccato handgun is going to have no doubt as to what that is and how this guy thought he was going to go through airport security with one. I really don't know. He is is the one uh, in Congress representing the 9th District of North Carolina. So, um, listen, I feel a little bit dirty after this this, uh, politics talk. Uh, Let's go to a feel-good story, Brad. Of course, Santa Rosa County, Florida, um, lovely town in the Panhandle or South Florida or something. Um, it is uh, obviously known as a, uh, a sort of a safe haven for uh, animals. Recently, the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office um, had a, a little run-in where a um, complaint was received of a uh, donkey, a donkey just roaming unattended near a toll bridge uh, hmm. in Santa Rosa County. And uh, of course, what they do is they call the experts. And so the uh, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office called Philip Hayes, an independent livestock contractor for assistance. He would come and take the animal in. ILC, buddy. That's what in the business it's refer to that as an ILC. It's yeah. an ILC. Of course, he showed up. And this is a man that's done work before. Um, he uh, arrived on the scene under the bridge. Um, and, uh, the, uh, witnesses told the sheriff that once Mr. Hayes, he was observed hand feeding the donkey and, but refused to use the noose equipment provided by the police to facilitate the capture of the animal. Uh, Hayes then, uh, proceeded Brad to his vehicle. Uh, yes. Hayes then proceeded to his uh, vehicle, Brad, and, uh, retrieved a handgun <laughs> Was it a staccato by any chance? We don't know, obviously, at this point. Let me guess. Let me guess what happened next. He whacked the donkey using said handgun. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. Brad, he shot that. He shot the donkey under the bridge. So the ILC appeared on the scene, fed the donkey, Right. Sort of provided his own version of a last meal for a donkey under a toll bridge. I don't believe the donkey had paid the toll, returned to his vehicle in full view of the local law enforcement authorities, retrieved a handgun, staccato or otherwise, and then executed the donkey. Yeah, he was he was Brad. He was um, <clears throat> he'd commit. He was, he was accused of <laughs> donkey side. He killed the donkey. He, he was accused of uh, he committed an act that resulted in the cruel death of. Of a donkey, and uh, he did not use humane methods to uh, prevent needless. So I, I presume Mr. Hayes' days as an ILC are over. Would be my guess. <laughs> I think they're over. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think he may be going to a slab city and joining a thruple or something. I. Whew, I don't know. But that's that was a tough one. Let me just tell you that's for all those small business owners out there. That was a tough one, but yeah, he he shot the donkey, Brad. We'll just we'll just 
we'll just move on, Brad, to Barter Band. We'll wrap up the program with the award-winning uh, segment, Barter Band. Uh, this week, Brad, as you know, um, there is a lot of wokeism in the uh, culture. A lot of large corporations and small are adopting to uh, these woke uh, strategies that are being fo- foisted upon them um, by a very, very uh, vocal uh, minority. Um, and this week, Brad, the question is, you know, one of the great shows that uh, my father and my mother and I would gather on the TV to watch back in the uh, salad days uh, of the 80s and 90s was the big Victoria's Secret lingerie show where you would have women parading in around lingerie. in lingerie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad especially loved that. Um, and this week, Victoria Secret announced that uh, uh, they have a new line and they are effectively barring or banning um, female um, only uh, presenters or models. And they've hired their first male ambassador, Darren Barnett. Uh, and he's the new face of uh, the Victoria's Secret Pink gender free line. Barnett is a 30 year old um, who doesn't associate with either sex, but he'll be modeling tie dyed separates, including logo t shirts, loungewear, and thong bikinis. What do you think about this? Should they have barred the uh, female models and the female line? Should we all embrace this and just uh, adopt some uh, loungewear from the uh, unisex pink line of Darren Barnett? Or should we uh, should we say no mas? Well, but I, again, we, we sort of have to establish a baseline here, right? So if 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 Darren Barnett, I was going to say Mr. Barnett, but I, I don't think you can say that because he said he doesn't consider himself to be either male or female. So first of all, how does Victoria's Secret know it hasn't just hired another woman? So I, at this point, I'm not sure there's anything to ban or bar, but I am going to stick for the time being with the very comfortable boxer brief. No, I mean, I agree with you. I think boxer briefs are the best. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say that somebody should have banned the killing of that donkey. Well, I'm with you on that. Uh, but these things happen, buddy. These things happen. And even though they do, and even though they are unpleasant, we here at IP Frequently will see you right back here next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.